Welcome to Scrollin', episode 116. I'm Ket. Joining me as always, Davia Starjumper. How's it going, man? Going good. Well, I'm glad to hear it. Uh, Gummy Bear says hi. Hi, Gummy Bear. Hello, hello. Uh, Grizzly Khan, not present at the moment. Oh, jeez. Disappointing Grizz when you hear this. Mm-hmm. Letting us down, man. <laughs> what we're here to talk about today is um, it's the end of 2023. So um, we're what we like to do this time of year is just kind of take a look back at what has happened in the game over the course of this year and look at how far we come and just kind of assess things and see how we're feeling about it. Was it a good year? Was it a bad year? All that kind of stuff. So all the stuff we've talked about fairly in-depth on previous episodes throughout the year. So we're just going to kind of rehash it all. And now that we're sort of like at the end of it, what's what's the sort of final assessment? Was it how we thought it would be or, or what? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. First of all, um, so I think the, the first thing to mention about this year is it's a new like release schedule, right? Uh, they, they wrote that letter like at the very end of 2022 kind of giving us a heads up that it's going to be a new thing this year, right? So we got a Q1 and Q2 is same as usual, where we got a dungeon pack in Q1, we got a chapter in Q2. They promised the chapter was going to be a lot more robust and fully featured and all of that. Um, we'll we'll talk about, you know, if that was the case or not. And then Q3 is where things got different, where no content, nothing at all, just a balance patch, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Q4 is... Uh, uh, some kind of system, which we now know, uh, like Endless Archive is an, an example. It's like a like a repeatable kind of thing, which Davius, you know, <laughs> Endless oh, Archive is certainly repeatable. <laughs> I know that well. I know it well. So let's start with the first quarter, the Scribes of Fate DLC, uh, typical Q1. It was a dungeon pack, right? We got mm-hmm, uh, Balsinar mm-hmm. and Scrivener's Hall. I think the one one of the more impactful things about that update is we got the Ozazan monster set. Comes from Scrivener's Hall. It's basically the meta healer monster set, at least in PvP now. Yep. Tip top. Pretty significant patch just for, just for that. Uh, Snake in the Stars. It's also when we got that very popular, very effective PvP set. And then a handful of balance changes that patch. That's when Major Berserk was added to the DK chains and Wrecking Blow. Uh, Necromancer got the big nerf to their Boneyard uh, synergy, 34%. Plus the Harmony trait was changed, so it, it, does, it no longer amplifies uh, synergies at all anymore. So that's just kind of a thing that Necros don't do anymore since then. That's the final, the final nail for the Necro. Say it. Just say it. Nail in the coffin. <laughs> the nail in the coffin there. <laughs> and that's also the, uh, the patch where we got the new Mist Form, where it became this teleport ability that it is now. It's pretty... Uh, significant to the kind of pvp landscape now i would say that's basically that's the stuff i cherry-picked out of that patch i went back and kind of read the patch notes um from then again and that's the stuff i picked out there's other stuff in there you know but um Mm -hmm. i think those are the things that really are having a lasting impact on the pvp meta and all of that yeah anything else to say about that patch davis Oh, I would just say, I mean, just kind of highlighting all those things you said. Uh, it's it's crazy, you know. I, I was just saying this. It's crazy to think back and and think that misform was at the beginning of the year. That was like everything, and now it's you don't you you still see it, but you definitely don't see it as much when it when it first launched. It was like every build had that thing. You know, it's it's funny to look back and see just the the change, some of those changes on that stuff. It's just sort of like faded into the background of like that's just kind of one of the things that are available 
for your PvP builds, and mm-hmm. I think I think it's actually a great ability. You know, they've they've adjusted it in such a way where you know they've they've slowed it down a little bit, like a patch or two ago. It doesn't quite compete with streak as much as it did, um, but it, it gives you some good you know major evasion, uh, major expedition, good things to have in addition to a teleport ability. Uh, so yeah, it's good, but not too good not to use basically. Yeah, it's in a good spot. The previous version of Mistform was very exploitable and very frustrating to deal with when you're on the other side of it. The second quarter was the Necrom chapter. So that was update 38. I'll just say right up at the top here, I think this is the at least the best Q2 chapter that we've gotten since elsewhere, maybe since Somerset, at least since elsewhere, though. Yeah, for sure. Very, very good chapter. I was very impressed with it. So we got the two uh, new big questing zones. We got a new trial. Got the new class, the new Arcanist class, which I think mm-hmm. was wildly successful. Honestly, like you know, we're several months past it now, and looking back, like very well implemented. Really, a, a pretty well designed class. No real bugs to to speak of. Uh, they they slip right into the meta, not really even disrupting the meta all that much. So I got to say, you know, kudos to the to the Arcanist class. Yeah, Very well that, done. that's the key part that stands out to me is they kind of fit right in and they, they weren't just insanely overpowered and then they weren't insanely underpowered. They just kind of came in and there's been some subtle tweaks, but for the most part, they've kind of come in, found their place. Uh, it's a very good class, but it hasn't yeah, completely, um, you know, changed the whole game. Like it's come in and found a nice good spot. Yeah, yeah, totally. So the combat changes that happened for that that Q2 patch was um, Sorcerers, their Dark Conversion now grants Minor Berserk, and then the other Morph Dark Deal uh, grants Minor Berserk and Minor Force. Uh, Templar's Focus Charge, this is the patch where they gave that major protection, uh, and they also gave uh, that Sun Sphere buff to the, the Solar Flare and Solar Barrage. And then the Rune Focus, the, the class armor buff that uh, gives you that heal over time. They basically just majorly buffed that heal over time that that gets. Also, the patch where they they nerfed Mara's Balm significantly, mm. basically doubled the cooldown, and most Needed people to have stopped using it since then. Needed, Needed to, to happen. happen. I, it's a bummer that it's it's not really used anymore. You know, you know, you hate to see that, but it was it was too good there for a minute. It was too good, and people are. I mean, we can see now Mara's Balm is out of the picture, and people are still incredibly tanky. So yeah. you know, it's, yeah, I think I think we're all right. So Q3, it's just a base game patch. There's no name. Uh, update 39 was, is, the, is the update. Uh, it's basically just a quality of life and bug fix kind of patch. There's no new content other than some, as GrizzlyCon pointed out earlier, there's some new PvP monster sets that were added that patch, but otherwise no new stuff. We did get the PvP death notifications thing. That's, that is one new thing that was added, and that's kind of neat. Yeah. And then we got some combat and balance changes. The ones that I picked out to talk about here is uh, the DK Combustion Passive was nerfed. Uh, Nightblade's Merciless Resolve is like brain dead easy to use now. It no longer needs to actually be activated. It's just always active and it just lets you know when to fire that bow. Easy. And and also Nightblade's Cloak ability, their Invisibility ability. Also, it, it now grants uh, your major crit buff and it, that's on both bars while slotted. You don't have to cast it or anything. So some nice things for Nightblades. And the Sorcerer's Bound Armaments ability, it got the same treatment as Merciless Resolve. It's just 
always active. You're always generating those stacks. You don't actually have to activate the ability other than to fire it once you have all the stacks. And it also gives those passives on both bars as well, the, the passives that you get with that ability. This is also the patch where the, the Destro Staff uh, passives were changed. So uh, Flame Staff now buffs, uh, what is it, dots and status effects rather than single target. Lightning buffs uh, direct damage and channeled attacks rather than AoE damage. So, so that's different now. It's also 12% instead of 10%. Frost Staff wasn't really changed other than um, when you do a heavy attack, that the damage shield that it gives you is a little bit bigger now. And it's actually really nice compared when you combine it with other abilities like the Dragon Knight's uh, Hardened Armor ability. You know, it's a, it's a kind of a small damage shield that that gives you, but if you do a Frost Heavy attack into that, those both combined, pretty juicy damage yeah, shields, it's actually. Yeah, not, not a bad damage shield at all. Not bad. Yeah. It's pretty common for Dragon Knights to have an Ice Staff on the back bar for blocking with Magicka and that kind of stuff. Some set changes with that patch. Uh, the Maelstrom two-hander. Long story short, it basically adds 560 damage uh, on top of all of your direct damage attacks. It's a very strong uh, weapon now on the on the right build. Uh, and Azure Blight was essentially buffed. It now has a, a scaling mechanic based on how many people that it hits. It's a very popular uh, group PvP set now, as it once was. So yeah, the death notifications, a handful of uh, balance changes and uh that's basically that how do you feel mm -hmm. how, how are you feeling about q3 davis now we're a few months later you know that's that's definitely um that's the low tier if we're talking of the four q3 probably comes in last but uh, you know i think that was planned that was expected it was it was kind of advertised to be a a not much uh, it was advertised to be not much in terms of content, but I was really hanging on to hope that that, that really meant we were going to get some awesome things in terms of balance and that kind of stuff. Like some, oh, like some major like actual balance changes to the game that like change the meta up type stuff? Yeah, change the meta up or address mm. some like overperforming sets or maybe do a pass on some, some sets that aren't used as much. Like they've done that sort of thing in the past, you know. Yeah. Uh, they've done that sort of thing in the past while also releasing content, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's just like, what? I see you guys did some stuff here. I, I can see that. But when you consider, like, you know, a few years ago, we would get way more balance changes than this, plus two new dungeons with a bunch of new armor sets and all that stuff. Grizzacon says Q3 was clearly meant to cater primarily to the newer players. Yeah, they did do some work on the the questing experience for new players, and you don't get like overloaded with a bunch of new quests all at once and stuff. What did they What did they change with that? They changed somehow, like how many quests pop up or something, right? Like, yeah, it's just like certain quests won't appear till you're a certain level yeah, or until you've earned certain achievements or yeah, things like that. Kind of they they just kind of slowly dish them out like that. And then uh, Q4, the, the patch we're in right now, this is the Endless Archive patch update 40. And this is, you know, we got the Endless Archive, this new solo or duo dungeon that never ends. It just keeps getting harder and harder until it's impossible. And the, the featured thing that you get in there are these new uh, class armor sets, some of which are really good, some of which not so much, just depends on the class. They also gave us this uh, this new group finder tool, which I actually just used 
what was it? Was it yesterday? I think it was just yesterday. Yeah, shout out to Gummy Bear. We did a uh, some asylum sanctorium runs to to get some uh, some of those weapons, and we used the group finder tool to fill up our group. It was really it easy well. to use, very effective. Yeah, it was great. Nice, awesome. very nice. Yeah, thanks, Gummy Bear, for he he led us through that and kind of knew what to do, which I was thankful for because I was just clueless. We also got these new grand cra- uh, these grandmaster crafting stations. This is also when we got the jewelry crafting rebalance. Um, as far as balance changes go, um, the Arcanist Damage Shield Ultimate, the, the Supportive Morph, got majorly nerfed. Uh, Dragon Knight's Flames of Oblivion now gives its crit buff on both bars while slotted. Molten Whip also, you can generate those stacks on both bars now, which is nice. Uh, and Corrosive, uh, really significant. You can yeah. no longer generate Ultimate while Corrosive is active. That needed to happen, but yeah. <laughs> Definitely needed to happen. Some other, some other stuff, but most of it wasn't really impactful aside from those things. But yeah, that's, that's Q4. You know, we got uh, uh, the Endless Archive, Group Finder Tool, Grandmaster Crafting Station, Jewelry Crafting Rebalance, and some, some balance adjustments, basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How are you feeling about Q4 now, Davis, now that we're, I don't know, a few weeks into it? I feel pretty good about it. Um, I feel like that um, the Endless Archive was kind of a wacky new thing. And it was more, you know, they've done some some wacky new things in the past. Not all on Q4, but like, you know, the card game or antiquities or things like that. Like they've added some of these kind of wacky extra things. And I enjoyed the Endless Archive more. Like I utilized it more than i did those things i guess yeah i I really like the endless archive and i said in previous episodes i think it's actually really well designed as far as Mm -hmm. like a a gear farming experience goes it's it's fairly pleasant you know um so i was actually impressed with it i think some of the class armor sets are really well designed and interesting and fun and you know that's good stuff but um my main qualm here is that uh you know, the Endless Archive, to me, in my mind, is basically the equivalent of like a Q4 arena, like like a Black Rose Prison, uh, like we've gotten in the past. And Black Rose Prison is, uh, is comes inside of a much larger DLC, which is Merkmire. You know, there's a whole zone mm-hmm, with quests mm-hmm. and, you know, cosmetic things and all sorts of adventures to, to get yourself into there. And Black Rose Prison is just one of the things that you can do in that zone. You know, so Endless Archive, in my, to me, seems like it's kind of on the level of Black Rose Prison, but it's not coming with all that other stuff that we've gotten in previous years. And, you know, it's free. This is a, a free offering. You don't have to pay for it. But as a ESO Plus subscriber, that's kind of irrelevant, you know. It, yeah, you got uh, all that it, stuff It was going to be free anyway. Yeah, yeah. essentially. So... I definitely feel like I'm getting less from, even though I am pleased with what we got, you know, this is just not justified, you know, the, the lack of content and the lack of everything else at the same time. I think that I'm, I'm higher on Q3 and Q4 than you are. I think, um, just kind of rolling them into the, to kind of looking at what the full year was. Cause yes, I, I do agree. Like Q4 used to come with like, an expansion zone but like to me you know with the q2 chapter the necrom chapter they released the two zones so that usually was that secondary zone 
Um, and then with the Endless Archive, like, yeah, it is basically an arena. Like, it has specific sets and things like that. But I would say that it's a, a new mode to the game. Plus, there's other features. Like, I, I'm not huge into the other features of Endless Archive. Usually, if I'm running it, I'm just going to run it for the class set that I'm looking for. Like, I looked for, you know, I farmed the DK class set um, forever. Got every piece now. But, like, there's other, you know, there's vendors where you can buy tools. There's the power-ups. There's, like, I feel like there's, it has a lot of extra layers to it. Um, and Yeah, there is there is a bit more to it than Black Rose. You are right about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and then, like, all, I don't even know all the stuff. I know there's a bunch of vendors when you go to the Endless Archive, but I feel like you can buy a lot of stuff when you go there. I just, I don't know what you use all the currency for, and I don't even know all the different stuff you can buy, but, like, I feel like there's, there's, there's extra layers there to it, and so I was okay with it. They still gave us two zones, and then this was kind of a new mode that had extra levels, and so I, I was okay with, with Q4 being kind of focused on that. Yeah, I guess I see what you mean with the um, with the chapter. I see what you mean with like you can think of apocrypha as being kind of the substitute for what we would have gotten in a Q four. Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. makes sense. And uh, and they did kind of say like, all right, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna ease up on the content later in the year, but we're we're gonna give you a banger on Q two. Mm-hmm, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's my wording, but basically that was the promise, <laughs> right? Like we're we're really gonna. You know, it's going to be way more fully featured than the chapters we've gotten in the in the past few years, and you know that's what they were promising us. And I think this year they delivered on on that promise. It was a great chapter. Yep. So I think if you if you keep that in mind, if they keep that up, yeah, I guess I guess <laughs> I still feel like I'm getting less. I definitely see what you're saying there. I've, I'm kind of I don't know. There's a war being waged inside <laughs> <Yeah>. me. <laughs> <laughs> I th- I think I just when I when I look at this year like a big part to me is like let's look at last year let's look at high L like holy cow we're night and day difference over high L because I think I think that's the thing is that like the game's getting older and every every year that it gets older you know it's a little bit you know a little bit less or it's a little bit harder to excite but like I I would actually argue that like they've they they went higher this year than you know high L was had multiple things there were some rough parts to it but like they kind of outlined a new plan of how they're going to do it q2 i think delivered they gave you know we the biggest thing we were asking for is a new class they delivered on that um i actually you know okay you're 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 reining me in davis you're (laughs) reining me in you know you're you're right you know gain a little perspective here you take you look at the year as a whole Compared to last year as a whole, yeah, mm-hmm. you're totally right. Mm-hmm. Right, we're we're doing way better this year. Yeah, so I think I think they've I think they've improved. I think they've it's gone better. Um, and I think right. the game I think the game's healthier. I think you could say like I think there's a lot of new players, and and I think it's hard for us, you know, veteran players. It's kind of hard to look back, but like there's not a, a lot of new players in the game, and so that new player experience probably that probably was a a pretty big task for them or a pretty big action point that they wanted to make sure that they checked. Yeah. And also one thing too, I think is uh, that it's easy to kind of go unnoticed as performance. And I know it's really easy when there are performance issues to, to notice those things and to complain about it, but you know, good performance, it's, it's like a comfortable pair of shoes, you know, you're not even (laughs) thinking about it when, when it's working. And uh, I, I think outside of Cyrodiil, Really, the game's been running pretty good. You know, yeah. Group Finder all works. All the systems are working. I'm, 
not running into any serious lag on a consistent basis other than just maybe a, a hiccup now and then, you know, but. That's a great point. For the most part, the game does seem to be running fairly well. Uh, I can't really speak to Cyrodiil, but otherwise. Uh, Gummy Bear says Cyrodiil is way better. So there you go. Mm. So, all right. Thanks for steering me back uh, in a positive <laughs> direction, Davis. I appreciate it. Uh, what, what was your favorite thing about this year, Davis, that we got? You know, I think the easy answer has to be like I would say the 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 the, the best thing this year. E- easy answer is the Arcanist, right? Like I don't even have an Arcanist, but a new class easy. into the game has just it's just changed the whole game. Like Arcanist yeah. is still, you know, one of the more popular classes right now. Maybe the most popular class right now. You see it all over the place. People love the class. They love the abilities, the animations. Like I only have heard great, great things. Tens across the board for for how people have analyzed I mean, they, the class. They really nailed it for a new class. They really did. Yeah. Um, so I would say that's probably like the best thing for the game. My personal favorite thing, really my personal favorite thing has been the the DK armor set because it's really been what I've had the most fun with. So I don't know if that ties into the Endless Archive or or the class sets, but that's been kind of my favorite thing going through the years that that really has made the most impact like i completely overhauled the build on my main my dk and so kind of getting that new set and and really i did enjoy the endless archive i mean i ran it a lot <laughs> chris account in the chat says he likes that they have a bit more focus on player rewards outside of the crown store the achievement mount for example yeah, that's a good thing uh i i also love the fact that we got a new class i I was skeptical. I didn't think we were going to get a new class until it was revealed that it was happening. I was like, yeah, there's no way. Uh, and then once it was revealed, and then it was such a out-of-left-field class, too. Like, something we could have never predicted as far as what the class is. But that was really cool. And then the the, the jewelry rebalance, man. It's, a, it's yeah. a, such a such a uh, gift, honestly. Yeah. Just I, golded me, out, making... I golded out some jewelry. Yeah. Crazy yep, to here. think about. I've crafted several sets of jewelry since they've mm-hmm, made this mm-hmm. change. Like, uh, I have a build I'm going to talk about later that's, uh, I'm using wretched vitality jewelry and I can't decide if I want swift or bloodthirsty. So I was like, I'll just craft two sets. No yeah. big deal. Two, two purple sets. <laughs> I don't even, you know, I don't even think twice about it. It's great. A big one for me has been, I run on a lot of my builds, I run one piece trainee and one piece druid. And I usually do the, the heavy chest trainee. And so I usually ended up with a, a jewelry piece of Druid. And so that was not always easy to craft. And so it's like when I had one, it was kind of a pain. But now it's like Minecraft. Minecraft those anytime, no problem. Uh, if yeah. I need to switch a trait on the jewelry, no problem. I'll just go and, like you just said, I'll just go and craft another one. I don't have to worry about utilizing transmutes on that or anything. Yeah, it, it makes the the calculus on like, yeah, crafting mats versus transmutes a lot easier, like yes. when you're figuring out what you need to do to adjust a build and stuff. Very much so. Definitely some good stuff. Um, so yeah, just like some final thoughts, I think Q1 and Q2, really Q1 expectations met, Q2 expectations exceeded. I personally was disappointed with Q3, and I think even after all you've said, Davis, and you kind of <laughs> turned me around on the year as a whole, I do think it was a positive year. Q3 should have been more. There, I think there should have been a lot more balance-related stuff happening there, but I digress. Yeah. Q4, I, I expected more. I, I did expect more uh, with Q4, but I I, I kind of see what you're saying, where we kind of got some of what I was expecting with Q2. Mm-hmm. So that does kind of adjust my perspective a little bit there. 
Yeah. I think it's just it's just changed this this new this new outline that they have. Like I actually like it better, but it's it's kind of really Q2 is kind of the expansion and then really Q3 and Q4 are just kind of playing out that expansion until we roll into the next year with the new one it seems like. I do agree with you though. I I would hope that Q3 like could be kind of the annual like that's probably when i would like to see kind of like a meta shift like if the meta is really pushed to one direction that can kind of reset it so that we kind of have to readjust just just for change you know just yeah or use that as an opportunity like i remember years ago you know we would have patch notes where there was like huge long lists of old armor sets that they oh, like yeah. reevaluated and like made good again and all that sort of stuff yeah. i'd love to see them do that you know again like you know, maybe every year, here's a few yeah. more armor sets we reassessed and here yeah. you go. You, you said that earlier and I actually really love that idea. I, Q3 would be a great time to just, just pick like three to five old armor sets and just, you know, just randomly update them. Like just, just to keep some of those sets that nobody's using at all, just, just to keep them up to date or just make them worthwhile somehow. Anyway, let's do a quick, for funsies, let's do some wishes and or predictions mm-hmm. for 2024. Um, I'll go first. Necromancer, please God, do something about the necromancers, guys. Really, what you've said with the necromancer has been that seems the most realistic, right? Just grant them buff coverage, basic buff coverage, be a huge change. But even in in this review that we've done, going back and looking at each one of these these quarters, you know, there's consistency with every single one of these of them making buffs easier for different classes. I mean, you can go and look yeah. at each one of these, and it's buff is you know buffs made easier for different classes or made for them classes that are already doing well yes and so it's like I, i'm with you i'm confused like just give necro some buff coverage you're already doing it for other classes you're finding ways in other classes to get them buffs it, it seems like and it, it's a and it's a small thing it would have almost zero impact on pve but it would have a pretty a fairly significant impact on pvp but not making them op just you yeah. know, the basic the basic standard buffs that you need in a build, just attach it to some of their class abilities. Yeah. And we're we're already off to a pretty good start with necromancers, if we can just do that. Yeah. It would do it would it would it would go a long way with them for sure. What do you think like a Q two chapter? What do you think like the featured race or like part of the map we might go to? You know, I really dove into this. I I, I, I kind of dove into this based on like really going back to, and I know that it's not technically an expansion, but like, you know, Orsinium is kind of the first ESO expansion, right? Like it, that's kind of a, a safe way, I feel like to say, and that like focused, uh-huh. you know, it was very orc focused. And so I like, I kind of went through all the expansions and they've kind of covered in a way, they've kind of covered every race in the game, except for there's two there's two left over that they have that and you correct me if I'm wrong here if I skipped one, but there's two that they have not covered yet. Red Guard is one. I know that's your vote. Okay. And then the other that they have not covered is the Bosmer, the Wood Elves. That's like the, the two races left that have not gotten kind of their own like a zone that's kind of dedicated to them. I think there is one asterisk for Red Guard. Is it the uh, Thieves Guild? I think that's Red Guard-ish. Okay, but yeah, it's just a that's small. A that's a small DLC, though. If you want to give credit to them, but I don't think that counts. I don't then, think that counts, though. Yeah, that would be hard to count that because it. But if if that's the case, then I think potentially we'd be looking at Wood Elf next, the the Bosmer, because I don't think they've gotten anything. 
They don't have anything. Uh, my vote would be Redguard. I think there's just a lot of awesome potential. The aesthetics of that, of like their culture and stuff. It could be like a very, I've said, like I've said before, I could, I could envision a very like Aladdin, like Arabian Nights kind of aesthetic, you know, and with their, with their modern kind of design sensibilities, how good they are at designing zones and interiors and stuff like that these days, man, I could just see them going nuts with that kind of thing. Could be really cool. They could also do something with like a sword singer skill line that's associated with them. That's an opportunity for a new skill line. Um, that's I've said that all before, but I'm like, man, that, there's a golden opportunity right there. I think it would be a big hit. At least with me, it would be. Yeah. Let's talk about what's been going on here lately. First of all, they announced um, some Cyrodiil testing. We're, here we go. We're getting some PvP stuff is happening. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So from so December 6th, is that today? No, it's tomorrow. As of, well, when this episode releases, uh, December 6th through 12th, um, they're going to be testing, doing some testing with uh, related to increasing the population caps for Cyrodiil. And I'm, I, they don't really reveal a lot of details, but I'm guessing they have some ideas on how to make performance still work okay while allowing more people to be in Cyrodiil, which I do think is the key issue with Cyrodiil yeah. is it's this, it's massive zone and just finding action is is difficult a lot of yeah. the time. Well yeah, we we were just in Cyrodiil getting some some transmute grinds and uh it was it was not great. It was not a great experience. It was a lot of running, a lot of being on the mount, a lot of sprinting and then you know, usually you'd find a, a Zerg of another faction and then nobody on our faction was there. And so we kind of got steamrolled other over and then you'd be trying to find and run to another one. There's kind of like these little Zerg pockets that go and, and if you can hop on one of those, you can get some, some AP pretty quick. But if you're not on one of those, it's like there's not enough people for those to, to clash with other, like clash with each other. Like the I feel like old school Cyrodiil was like you would just see massive all-out wars, and now it's like just these little pockets of Zergs that are just kind of floating out there, and it's a big old zone yeah. for just kind of the little pockets. Back when there was better population, it was it wasn't only that. I mean, what you're saying is definitely true. You'd see like these large groups kind of colliding into each other, but also kind of medium-sized groups and smaller groups, yeah. and just kind of all kinds of just action happening everywhere you know so there's just a really good chance you're going to kind of find something that you can jive with you know some sort of scenario that you're going to have fun with whether it's large scale small medium whatever but uh anyway they're going to be uh testing doing some something with the population and they're offering double ap you will earn double ap during this testing period december 6th through 12th in cyrodiil davius Lord of Nords, he is the more he is more Lord of Leaping than ever. <laughs> he's I've seen he's, it with my own two he eyes. He has ascended to his top level. He's he's in his ultimate form. He has will. reached his final form. <laughs> uh, yes, Lord of Nords, the Sam DK. Uh, as I said, you know, farmed uh, the Endless Archive, got the the Basalt Warrior set, and I run that as a, a body set. And really, the the rest of the build is just the five piece basalt warrior, two piece blood spawn, um, the black rose prison dual wield, one trainee, one druid, and then it's oaken soul, the one bar build. All right, I got it right. I yeah, was trying to remember. Yeah. <laughs> you knew it. You already knew the build. 
And then the bar setup is very simple, I would say. It's basically um, whirling blades. The, the spin to win is the spammable. Um, I use deep breath for kind of the additional burst. And then leap, a whole lot of leap. A lot of leaping. Um, and then on the defensive side, it's quick cloak. I, I put I say that defensively. Quick cloak does a lot for this build. It's speed, it's defense, it's a little bit of damage as well. Um, yeah. And then Cinder Storm is what I've started using to. That's what actually procs the Basalt Warrior. Um, and that's been actually a great change. Just a, awesome ability. Uh, yeah. I mean, just, uh, you know, a CC ability, a great. Uh, hot that heals me heals teammates um, it's not huge but it's definitely something um, basically and then, free yeah and it's basically free uh, and then i do uh you know coagulating blood for my burst heal um, and that's pretty much the build but i would say this build's better than ever feels more comfortable than ever the it's it was weird i was really nervous you know i, I think i had mentioned that in past episodes i was really nervous about testing this out because it's all in on the leaps. That's really where it is, is that a lot of the uh, sustain is based on the leaps. A lot of the damage is getting enough leaps because um, when without the leap, you're just spin to win and, and doing deep breaths. And so it has to be enough leaps to actually kind of add that additional pressure. Now, great recommendation by you that I have to point out is that I used to use sugar skulls for my food and I actually swapped sugar skulls for jewels of misrule really helped add on some extra sustain that I needed. I uh, was able to actually switch my Moondis to a damage Moondis um, to get more more uh, uh, weapon damage on the build. It's been a great change. I think you and me both have recently had to kind of reprogram our minds to being okay with seeing our max resources be below 20k. Yeah, for the longest time, it was like, it doesn't seem that long ago that it was like, and it's probably, I guess it's probably years, multiple years ago now, but like, it doesn't seem that long ago that it was like, all right, you want to be at like 25k health, get your re- your main resource over 30k. And it's like, those days are way, way long, long gone. Um, yeah, yeah. It's get, get your health, you know, 35k and above at least. Uh, and like you said, your, your main resources can be under 20k and that's okay. Um, just make sure your sustain's good. Hold on. Leaping through the snow on a one bar nor DK <laughs> over the crowd we go and into the fucking fray. <laughs> Gummy oh, bear. That's a beautiful great, Christmas carol. Great, beautiful, <laughs> beautiful song, Gummy Bear. Well we, we gotta get that uh we gotta get that recorded. We gotta get a video of Lord of Nords and a BG, just that playing in the background uh that's oh, pretty man, that would be great <laughs> that'd make a great youtube video that would be good that would be good um but yeah i i would just say that the build it really is it's better than ever um brawly as ever um it, i feel like the damage is still it still does a you know a good amount of damage still pressures um and it's with the cinderstorm heal it's actually able to help the team out a little bit more with the cc and healing and the key is really, like I said, I'll just go back to it, the, the leaps. You know, I've been checking combat metrics and looking at it. And in a BG, I'm averaging a leap about every 20-ish seconds. So about every 20 seconds, I'm getting a leap off. It gets to a point, because I've been up against you a few times in solo queue. And like, over the course of a match, you kind of start to get an innate sense, like, oh, here comes a leap. Yep, yep, there it is. <laughs> there you it is. know, so you just kind of, <laughs> you, you know to expect it. It's just coming any uh, second now. 
It's crazy how much, uh, probably the most surprising part about the additional leaps, and I don't know why it surprised me, but, you know, it's it's not the extra damage, you know, because it's a high damage ability. So it's not the extra damage that it does and, like, the additional pressure it provides. And the more leaps you do, the more, you know, it can disrupt a, a, a group fight. But the tankiness is really what's caught me off guard is that that damage shield is so huge. And, I, and I've always used it as a, almost like a defense ability and offensive. But with that many leaps, like, by the time that damage shield wears off, like, I'm already pretty darn close to, you know, I may be 10 seconds away from getting my next leap. And it's a huge damage shield. So it's just, it's been surprising about how um, extra brawly and how jump into the fray I can be. Um, you're also uh, really, I would imagine you're really incentivized to be aggressive because of that. Uh, oh, yeah. Is it called the combat frenzy? Because you get a bunch of ultimate when you kill people. Well, and that's kind of been the nice thing with the, I was really worried about using the spin to win as a spammable because it's, you know, I, I like AOE spammables because you can, can just kind of throw damage out there and, and it's keeping pressure. But I was a little bit worried because it's a little bit higher cost and it's, if you're not using it as the execute, it's not a whole lot of damage, but it's actually been great. It's been great for kill secure because, you know, the deep breath is good damage and then leaping all over the place. And then it's, it's kind of, I don't really have to worry about switching spammable to execute. Like, this build is, mm -hmm. it's an Oaken Soul build. It's one bar simplicity. It kind of has its one job and it feels like it's doing that better than ever. He's got, he's got a real like Tasmanian devil energy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Uh, that is true. Um, it's, it's pretty wild how much like, you know, I'll be in really bad situations and I'll know, I'll be like, oh man, like, and before this build, it was like, oh, I'm dead. Like, there's no way for me to get out of this. And now with this new setup, I'm like, all right, like I'm just going to do a couple roll dodges and I'll throw a couple cinder storms on the ground. And like, if I can, if I can just get a couple more seconds here, I'll have a leap coming. And then it's kind of like, all right, I'll restart the fight. Mm -hmm. There's been a lot of times that it's like, I would have been dead here on the old build. And this new build actually lets me kind of keep going and do a lot of resets. Oh yeah. I've seen you like right up in the middle of the the freaking dog pile man and you're just you're just hanging in there and just just when you think you're toast nope got the leap yeah, <laughs> yeah the leap up. <laughs> uh yeah. yes it is so it one it, the, the best part is that it, it the build does feel better than ever and it's it's getting it's some of the best results it's ever had but two i mean and maybe the the most fun part about this is this was like the original idea of this build was just all leaps you know ult gain build ult gen build uh, and so to finally get it to this point where it it just seems peak Ultgen DK leaping build, uh, it's been a lot of fun. I've really really enjoyed it. Yeah, he's finally he's finally in that final form for now until who knows what the future holds. <laughs> I need to I still need to run this build with some sort. You know, there's a lot of the the Ultgen healers, and and I'm gonna have one of those builds eventually one of these days. Oh, a bat like a battery build is what yeah. people call that. Yeah. And so getting one of those Ultgen healer builds with this, like I. I don't know. Could like could I spam leap? Like could it be possible? Who knows? Yeah, I bet you get. We could get it down to like ten seconds or something like that. Yeah, get it seconds. down to ten seconds. That'd be nuts. God, that would be awesome. We got to make that happen. <laughs> hey, I got. I have a warden healer. I'll figure out. How we'll to make we'll that find build. a way. We'll find a way. <laughs> the, I'm pretty sure some people in this Discord have that build. They can just tell me how to do it. Is that all you have to say about Lord of Nords? That's Lord Nords. He's in a great spot right now. Feel really good about him. I'm actually in, I'm in that mode where I'm having trouble not playing with him because he feels so good right now. 
which is a good thing. But for us, it's like we, you know, we 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 like to keep a good rotation of characters. And when we get yeah. really feeling good about one, it makes it difficult to to switch to the next ones. <laughs> I've been feeling good for you though. When we've been doing uh, BGs in Discord and stuff, I'm like, kind of watching Lord of Nords in action. Like, man, that really is a beautiful Nord. Like, he's <laughs> he just got that dude in great shape. Well, the the build that I have to talk about today is Tane, my stamina sorcerer, and uh, he is also in excellent, excellent shape. And just like you said, I've been having the same issue where this is the only build I want to play with here lately. And I got to give a shout out to Grizzly Khan. It's his it's his fault because, uh, I don't know, a few <laughs> weeks ago, he said something in Discord like, hey, what's going on with Tane? I haven't seen Tane in a while. When are you going to do something with the Stam Sort? What he's been up to, he's he's my PvE heavy attack sort. <laughs> That's what he's, what he's been doing. <laughs> he's been, he's been PvEing. Yeah, so I turned him into a, uh, a Khajiit for that purpose. He used to be an orc. But I decided, you know what, let's get Tane back into some PvP action. I slapped his old build back together and then started kind of making some tweaks and and figuring things out. And uh, I think we're in an awesome spot. So um, the build is Order's Wrath on the body, Wretched Vitality on the back bar with a bow, uh, Asylum Dual Wield on the front bar with, with axes, uh, Gaze of Sithis Mythic Helm, and One Piece Magma Incarnate. I uh, got to give a shout out to Gummy Bear once again for uh, taking us through Asylum Sanctorium, helping me get those uh, Asylum axes. I've been wanting to try those on my stamp sort for quite a while, and it turns out it's it's awesome. It's a really awesome arena weapon. I'm really, really happy with it. Thank you very much. As a reminder for the Asylum Dual Wheel, that's the one that applies to Whirling Blades. And basically, anytime you use Whirling Blades, it gives you 5% extra movement speed, uh, and you can have up to five stacks. And then it gives you, uh, when that's active, when you have any of those stacks, you get six weapon and spell damage per 1% movement speed bonus that you have. And the, the key thing there is it's not just based on the movement speed that the weapon gives you. It's based on all movement speed bonuses. So, you know, as a, as a stamp sort, you have a permanent minor expedition. We can also get major expedition. I'm using three swift. Uh, I'm, I'm bouncing back and forth between Swift and Bloodthirsty on the jewelry, but, you know, if you're using Swift, that, that applies too. Uh, it caps out at like 450, I think, is the damage that you can get out of the thing, but um, I've been asked several times if I'm, tr- if I'm like spamming Whirling Blades a whole bunch to try to uh, generate those stacks as much as I can, and uh, the answer is no. I'm not even thinking about that. I'm just playing <laughs> like, like I normally would, you know, just when someone's in execute range, I try to execute them. That's it. But it just so happens sometimes you'll find yourself spamming it to try to execute someone, and sometimes I just happen to notice that I'm going really, really fast, and it's really, really fun. <laughs> it's also, you've really picked up speed here. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I, I think it's awesome using the Asylum Dual Wield. I've always thought that's a cool um, arena weapon. I, I know that it's, yeah, Asylum's an arena, right? I mean, I don't know. Well, Arena-type weapon. A- <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, th- what Zoss calls it is it's an ability altering weapon. There we go, an ability altering weapon comes from a trial, but we call it an arena weapon. Yeah, I've always thought that was a, a really really cool one, so I'm excited to see it it working on on Tane. That's that's a really cool setup. And it's just it's so thematically perfect for a spin oh, to win stamp sork. You know, that perfect. just wants to go fast. It's perfect. As far as uh, Bloodthirsty versus Swift on the jewelry, I think they're both good. I've been going back and forth. I have two sets of jewelry, and uh, Bloodthirsty is 
quite a bit more damage uh, and against some of those tankier targets, it definitely comes in handy. But Stam Sorks are extremely squishy. Probably the squishiest thing in the game. And that extra movement speed from Swift uh, goes, goes a long way to keeping you alive. And Stam Sorks kind of defensive kit is kind of made to work that way, to, to work with movement speed. And with the uh, Asylum dual wield, that movement speed comes with some extra offensive benefit. It's not as much as Bloodthirsty would give you, but it is something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I think you're, I think you're just kind of getting more bang for your buck with that investment there. Uh, Swift, I think Swift is where I'm leaning. It's also the more fun option too. Sure. Well, and his his results have been just fine. Like he he's doing just fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, it's been. The most fun. I've been, yeah, for the last couple of weeks, I've just been playing with this dude over and over and over again. The most clippable build that I have, I think. <laughs> just like every match, I'm like, oh, that was a sweet play. I got to clip that. Ooh, another sweet play. I got to clip that. Just like over and over He's, again. You know, like we said, we've been on, we've been in a lot of solo BGs. And so we've been on uh, opposite sides, but it's just, it's crazy just to see this like, I don't know. He's like this bowling ball of electricity into fights. And then you like look up and you're like, where the heck is he? And then all of a sudden the bowling ball comes in and just you're, you're just one of the pins as he comes in and spins and, you know, streaks. And then he comes through and you're just like, what the heck was that blue freaking lightning just yeah, ball and then of energy? <laughs> and then he's off in the distance before yeah. you even know what yeah. happened. And then you look up and you're like, where did he go? Like, what? And then you look up again, and he's coming back at you yep. again. Like, oh. <laughs> it's like here, comes, here comes the bowling yeah. ball again. Like, what is this? So the offensive abilities are uh, Haunting Curse, Endless Fury, Rapid Strikes, Whirling Blades, uh, and I'm using the Charged Atronach Ultimate as my front bar ultimate, which is surprisingly a really, really good ultimate. Man, yeah. it's That, 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 that ultimate has been very effective, I would say. I've been on, on the good side of it and the bad side of it. I'd, I'd say it's been very effective. It's kind of like Dawnbreaker, except like, you know, it has a, an initial burst damage and it stuns in an AOE, whoever it hits. But you can cast it from far away, unlike Dawnbreaker. And um, the initial hit isn't as much as Dawnbreaker, but then it does a crap ton of AOE damage yeah. after that initial cast. And um, uh, plus having it slotted activates a, I can't remember the name of a passive, but it activates a very important passive that gives you like 20% extra stamina recovery and health recovery. So that's the main reason I wanted mm -hmm. to slot it in the first place was just to have that passive. And then it just turns out to be an awesome ultimate also. Plus it's great for your team. I mean, give them it's major berserk, isn't it? Yes. Uh, yeah. Whoever activates the synergy can get major berserk. Yeah. It's, it's a fan. That's a fantastic ultimate. It does so many good things. Yeah. So for the offensive combo, first thing I want to say is um, I like to put Haunting Curse on the back bar with my bow so that I open my combo with a light attack Haunting Curse. And that's because that, that bow is infused with a weapon damage glyph. And so that as I do that light attack weave, that activates that glyph for like, what, 452 weapon damage, I think it is. It's a bunch of extra damage. So if I put Haunting Curse on that back bar, that just kind of builds it into my rotation. I'm just always reactivating that glyph every time i reapply curse that's that's why i do that so start on the back bar light attack into curse and then you swap to the front bar put endless fury on the target uh lay into them with rapid strikes uh until haunting curse pops and then that's going to set off the endless fury and then you do a spin to win right at that same time that's right it's a double execute and uh you know sometimes that endless fury will just go ahead and kill them and you'll just be spinning to win kind of right into thin air 
Um, but oftentimes, especially in today's meta with people's huge health bars and people are just so incredibly tanky, oftentimes that Endless Fury is not quite enough to kill them. And you'll be happy you were casting that, that spin to win because uh, mm -hmm. it's actually the thing that goes ahead and takes them all the way out. And even if you are spinning into thin air, because of that Asylum dual wield, it's not a wasted cast, right? You're getting extra movement speed. You're getting extra weapon damage. So just keep spinning, you know. No reason not to. But it's a it's a brutal combo. Uh, once you start laying into them with that rapid strikes and the haunting curse pops and sets off the endless fury, and you do the whirling blades at the same time, I mean, if if the person's in execute range, it does it almost doesn't matter how tanky they are. It, almost everyone goes down after that. Super duper fun. Defensively, I think the main thing I want to say defensively, you've really got to get into a certain mindset with Stamsork. And it actually took me a few matches to remember this. And, and now I remember from back when I played Stamsork a lot. Um, you got to be smart about 1v1s. I think that's the main thing, uh, especially with this build. It's a very squishy build. There's a lot of dots out there. There's a lot of status effects. You cannot just stand toe to toe and just trade hits with a Dragon Knight. You know, you, you will lose. <laughs> Um, and this, you know, you gotta, you gotta remind yourself, this isn't Stormhaven. We're not doing honorable duels here. Your, your primary advantage over everyone else as a Stamsork is supreme mobility and, uh, resource management, right? Because you have dark deal. So you really got to take advantage of those things. And this is the environment to do it. You know, you have all kinds of, you know, line of sight and a whole environment to take advantage of more so than anybody else is capable of. So you got to do that. It's not to say you can't get into 1v1s. Absolutely seek out 1v1s, but you got to play like a Stamsork when you're doing it. Uh, don't just try to stand there and trade hits with these tanky classes that don't hardly take any damage, you know. Mm -hmm. Be my number one piece of advice there. Uh, I also recommend using the Bewitched Sugar Skulls for your food and Tristat Potions uh, because uh, health recovery is kind of a big deal for this, uh, for this build. We have that Sithis Helm. We have that uh, Daedric Protection Passive, that's what it's called. Gives you a bunch of extra health recovery. Even after Battle Spirit, we're in the ballpark of like 2,000 health recovery. Wow. It's a really, really strong hot that's just always going, you know, 100% of the time. It, it goes a long way to, to help battle those, uh, those dots and status effects and things that you'll find getting applied to yourself. So as long as you stay on the move, you know, cast Vigor frequently and that kind of thing, it... To me, it seems like it is enough healing to, to survive as long as you're not trying to face roll things and that kind of stuff. But yeah, highly recommended. That's Tane. That's the Stamsork. I guess that's all I have to say about him. And that's Tane, all caps. Only all caps. That's, that's Tane spelled like Wayne, but with a T, and it's in all caps. <laughs> Ideally with spaces in between. With spaces each in between. That's a key part of it, I feel like. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you had something you want to you you want to talk a little bit about your necromancer never ending nord. I I was gonna talk a little bit and I I won't go too much into it, but just I I you know this is my um, gosh it's hard to say wackiest build. I've got a I've got a lot of wacky builds out there. It's um, out there, but this one's <laughs> this one's definitely it's it's got to be one of the wackier ones for sure. Um, this is my, my health necro, I, I guess is what you would say. Your health crow. Yeah. The health crow. Um, mm -hmm. it is, it is just all about health. Um, the, the build is five piece crimson twilight, two piece lady thorn, one piece druid, one piece trainee. 
and then two-piece endurance. So I just do an endurance weapon, and that's just for more health. Um, and the whole point to this build is just all of those sets that I named off are just damage proc sets based on max health that also feed healing back to you. Um, so Crimson, you know, every eight seconds it's doing this AOE damage, and then I get healing back. The the Lady Thorn is more of kind of a, a burst level. It, it's a lot lot higher damage. You can only do it once every twenty seconds, but it's a that's kind of a, a high burst opportunity. And really, the you know, the goal is just kind of get to the Goliath form because that's when you get your your AOE your AOE damage that is just a dot that's just ticking on anybody around you. And when you get when you get in that Goliath form with the health on this build, you get up to um, ninety k plus health. Uh, can be 95k if you've got a warden on the team um, and it's just the numbers kind of go insane when you get that high of health it just kind of gets crazy the spammable on the build is the scythe uh, and that is it's not a lot of damage but you actually heal for an insane amount every time you do it um, and it's an aoe ability so i like i said I, I i've talked about this build i haven't made any changes but really the reason i kind of just want to talk about it is like we said, we've been doing some some Cyrodiil transmute grinds, and I never even thought about this. Like I'm I am not a one V extra. That is not me. But I this is just one of the builds that I was like, all right, like this. I like the the build this character has. I'm gonna take it into Cyrodiil, get some the grind for transmutes going. And I just I guess I underestimated how hard it is to to take down this build, uh, especially when you throw CP on top of it. Um, <laughs> And I mean, I had some, I got in some of the most fun fight situation that I've ever been in Cyrodiil, just because this build just, it's just very difficult to take down. Um, I was telling you about one that I was in a, uh, we were defending a keep, and I don't even remember what faction it was, I think it was DC. We were defending a keep, uh, we were way outnumbered, and they were kind of closing in on us, and they had like broken down the door, and then broken down the main door, and I just was staying alive i mean i kept getting goliath form um i kept using the scythe i kept kind of having my burst and, and every now and then i'd use that lady thorn burst kind of timed up with everything and i was able to to take multiple people out uh and that fight just kept going they actually took the keep and then rebuilt the outer door the inner door the entire time i was still in the keep fighting like fighting groups and like that how I was many in, would you say were on you I mean, probably anywhere from like anywhere from 10 to 15 ish at a time. Like, <laughs> I mean, it was just, uh, and I was using the line of sight a lot, obviously, but like, I just when yeah, I thought yeah. I was about to go down, you know, because I actually use that necrotic potency ability as well. And so uh -huh. I was using the um, NPC characters, you know, I'd take down a couple of them to get necrotic potencies up and get more, mm -hmm. you know, more bodies. And then I get the Goliath going again, and then I just kind of start going around again. And I was inside their keep long enough for us to come back, take down the door, take down the outer door, and we actually retook the keep. And I was just inside the whole time. So it was actually our keep, then their keep, and then it was our keep again by the time uh, that I was still just hanging out inside the keep. It's funny. I... I, I know from the listener's perspective, you're like listening to this and you're like, yeah, okay, health crow. That sounds like a cute, silly little build, <laughs> but like you, you have to see it firsthand. Like you, you won't believe your eyes. Just it's, it's so effective. It's it, so it dark. 
We've been in like some sweaty freaking matches. And I mean, I'm seeing this dude like face roll a full <laughs> team of four, four good players, yeah. not just scrubs and not really making it look fairly easy too. you know, <laughs> like not really struggling all that much. doesn't look like, uh, yeah. Right. Well, so what was the, what was the gear again? Remind me. Uh, so, so the build is a uh, five piece crimson twilight, two piece lady thorn, uh, one druid's braid, one trainee or yeah. One druid's braid, one trainee. Um, and then I do a, uh, endurance for the weapon. So two piece endurance yeah. just gives you max health. Uh, and then the Oaken soul, uh, and nice, it's a one bar nice. build and just kind of run through, um, the bar, the offensive side of the bar is just the hungry, the hungry scythe is the spammable. Um, and then, uh, that's really kind of the main damage that I do that and the Goliath and then the proc sets. And then really everything else is just dedicated to keep me alive. Um, so I do the necrotic potency. Um, and then I do the uh, AOE Necro Heal, uh, and then I have the Spirit Guardian um, that I keep up at all times, and then uh, Race Against Time uh, to kind of keep stay on the move and uh, just kind of rotate through that uh, until you kind of find those opportune moments um, where everything kind of lines up and you get in the Goliath form, and it just kind of starts taking care of itself. The the Lady Thorn, I you know I have to credit Uncle Sam. He was. Uh, when I first started coming up with the ideas for this build, Uncle Sam really, he jumped on board. He was, he was all about it. He was like, this, if this actually works, this would be nuts. And he actually is the one that recommended the Lady Thorn. And that is a key piece to the build. That is the burst of this build. It's a uh, bunch it's, of damage. Because um, I, you know, I do the, um, um, I'm blanking on the name, but the, I do the, uh, the Fountain Heal. Um, oh yeah, the blood fountain. The blood fountain. Or, I I I have to mention the blood fountain. That's a blood, key part blood, of the blood altar. I guess. Blood, blood altar. altar. Yes, You're blood right. altar is a key key piece to the build. One, it's kind of a support based build. Like it's it's really main you know meant to be kind of an off healer type build. But that blood altar is what procs that lady thorn, and it's a it's a lot of damage. It's like a twenty k AOE damage burst that goes out when you use the synergy. Uh, basically, you do the altar, uh, and then that allows me to get the synergy. It makes this little orb, and if that times up when you're in the Goliath, that makes the damage higher. And then if that crimson also procs at the same time, it's just kind of a a whole bunch of burst all at once, and it'll it'll sneak up on people. Yeah, and plus you're healing from most of that damage at the same time. Oh yeah, it's it's all heal. It's all healing coming back, so uh, it works out really well. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. <laughs> Here's a con says it's so thematic. It sounds so the, fun. The yeah. never ending Nord. That and you know, going back to what I said with you know with with Lord of Nords being like he's finally what I've always wanted him to be, just leaping like crazy. Uh, that's I, that's where I'm at with this build too. With yeah. the never ending Nord, I, I you know you, you found this. it. Yeah, I just wanted him to be to the name. I just wanted to be Live this character that name. you just yep. can't die. He stays alive. He's very difficult to take down. And it's been great. It's been a lot, yeah, what, a lot of fun. What better than 95k health? Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I've I've really, really researched ways to try to get 100k just to see if I can do it. But I haven't I haven't found a way to. I've got about everything you can uh, to get more and more health. Um, it's it's mm-hmm. I've got about everything that way. I actually use the Lord Mundus. Uh, which just just increases max health. <laughs> Who uses the Lord Mundus? That's <laughs> the great. the never ignored uses the Lord Mundus. That's the way to go. Um, but yeah, um, it's it's been it's been a heck of a lot of fun. 
Man, I love your freaking oak and soul builds, man. I was, we were talking in Discord earlier. I called you the the one bar whisperer. It's so true. Hey, that's that's uh, that's a huge compliment to me. I'll take it. I'll take it. That's uh, I love me some oak and soul builds. I love making them work. They're a lot of fun. Yeah. Scrollinpodcast at gmail.com is our email address. If you like, you can send us some emails there. Uh, what, what, what can you do? You can make suggestions for the show, ask us a question, tell us a joke. Shout out to a friend. Just say hello. Each episode, Davius is going to choose his favorite email, and I'm going to give him some gold. Uh, this week, it's going to be one million. I promised last, uh, last episode Ooh. we were going to do one million two episodes in a row because uh, there was some... Oh, yeah. spillover oh that's right that's right you did yeah so um we're actually going to only read two emails this week uh first one comes from outlaw red uh his question is what do you do when uh when you start playing a new build on a class you haven't played in a while do you just jump into bgs and use that as practice or do you have another method i've just been practicing combos on a dummy and world bosses yeah, we definitely have some things that we do. Oh, Davis, yeah. I'll let you field this one first. What do you do with the new build before you jump into BGs? Well, the the biggest thing that, and I think we're both on this, is this at uh, Lower Yorgrim, great place, highly recommend a visit. But we, uh, of course, I I guess you've you've kind of switched off from this. But uh, uh, Giants, there's a place just outside of Windhelm um, that there's probably ten, maybe fifteen giants that are. Um, part of a, a quest that you do there, but I, any build, and, and, and especially even if it's not a new build, but if it's a build I haven't played in a while, or even if I make a change to a build, I just run around there and just constantly get used to the rotation going against those giants. And the, ni- the, the, the nice part is, is that they have kind of enough health that they last a little bit longer than a regular mob, and so you can kind of get an idea um, with them being a killable mob, you can kind of throw the execute in your combo easily, get a good rotation in, um, kind of test out what the alt does when you're going through. Uh, and I've been doing it so long that it, it, it's actually kind of been a good barometer of like where a PVP build is like on builds that I feel really good about. I kind of know the numbers that those get against giants. So that when I build a new one or, or I haven't played in one in a while and I kind of compare and go, okay, how does this, how do these numbers compare? And so that that's the most common thing that I do is run over there, kill a bunch of those giants, and then just kind of rotate through, just get familiar with the rotation, always kind of just continually get more com- you know comfortable with the rotation, comfortable with the bar setup. World bosses, as you mentioned, uh, Red, that's a great one. Like if, if I feel comfortable with the rotation, but I still want to kind of put some pressure on the build i i have a, a couple world bosses that i'll go and fight and and test out and just try to solo a world boss just to kind of see the the tankiness side of the build or the defensive side of the build see kind of how it holds up see how the heals do um that's a great one uh, as well yeah rage claw that's that's rage claw right? that's yep he's a good one he's on the other side of wendell you know both yeah, sides of wendell is really what we do there east marks me and Ket's favorite zone. <laughs> to me, Rage Claw is like the perfect world boss to test a PvP build because he, he summons some ads, and when mm-hmm. those ads come, that it's it's a pretty decent amount of damage. Like you got to be ready to survive that thing. 
It's mm-hmm. not, you know, like a lot of world bosses are child's play, you know. And yep. Honestly, this one can can be fairly easy too, but I think that particular, uh, he's called Rage Claw in East March. That particular world boss, I feel like that's the one that I can say like, okay, if I, if I feel like it's easy to survive this world boss all the way to the end, then I, I probably have at least good enough survivability to, to jump into some BGs. Yeah. It's kind of what I go to that one for. I, I basically do the exact same thing you do. I, I fight world bosses, that one in particular. I go to that giant place. What was it called? Uh, Lower Yorgrim. Lower Yorgrim, or yeah, like like you said, lately I've been going to, I think it's called Thorvald's Logging Camp, which is still in East March, it's just south of there, there are ways, and it's trolls instead of giants, it's just, I think I like the route there a little better, um, but it's the same sort of deal, yeah, it's just, uh, they're NPCs, they, they, can, they can soak up a little bit of damage, you can get all the way through a combo uh, before they die, and and yeah, I was, I was going to say the exact same thing, once you've been doing that, for a while, you kind of get a sense of like, whoa, this that dude really died really fast, you know, or compared to this other build that I tried before or whatever. And you just kind of, yeah, like I guess barometer is a good is a good way to put it. It's just kind of becomes a good measure for you to use. Another thing I do, this might sound kind of silly, and it can go along with the giants thing, but it doesn't necessarily have to. You can go to any kind of like like zombie area or just anywhere where there's just some NPCs around. I just kind of, I just kind of spaz out a little bit and just kind of run around and go nuts and sort of, I guess, imagine like I'm in a PvP scenario. Uh, a long time ago, I watched a Christopher ESO uh, video and he made this suggestion and it, it really stuck with me. It's actually a really good idea. Uh, Craglorn's a good place to go because their mobs are just a little bit uh, tankier. Like, just go aggro some mob of, like, four or five uh, NPCs and just see if you can kill them all without any of them ever landing a hit on you. Uh, or, you know, or at least if they do, you block it, you know. And that way it's a very low, you know, no, they're not going to kill you, you know. Uh, but you can kind of practice there a little bit and kind of dip, dodge, duck, and dive and and work on your combo, figure out how to... You know, when you're practicing on a target dummy, your combo is going to be delivered exactly perfectly every single time. But in reality, you're going to be dodging and blocking and doing different things and trying to make your damage line up while doing those things is the hard part, you know. So um, doing that sort of thing, just aggro a mob and just sort of try to try to avoid their damage while while killing them. That can be a good thing to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then, yeah, I mean, they'll be too reluctant to just jump into a BG. It's not that big a deal. If you die a bunch of times, yeah, who cares? Absolutely. You know, don't worry about it too much. Absolutely. So. That, yeah, that's really, you, you kind of go, we kind of go and, and kill some of those mobs with then just jumping into a BG and just understanding, like, maybe it'll take three, four, five BGs to kind of get the hang of it, to kind of get the, the feel or shake off any rust or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, it's almost certainly that that very first bg you you uh, jump into for me with a new build guaranteed it, it's going to become crystal clear very quickly like oh this ability is useless i need this instead <laughs> like you just kind of yeah. immediately recognize those things and you know uh so there really is no substitute for just jumping in there at a certain point yeah absolutely uh next email comes from gummy bear gummy bear asks what was your favorite childhood meal the meal that brings back memories of home. Davis, you first. What you got? So the one for me, I'm gonna go with the growing up. It was my always my birthday request meal, and it was 
uh, homemade macaroni and cheese with Italian sausage. Now, the Italian sausage was not in the macaroni and cheese. It was like a homemade macaroni and cheese with like links of like Italian sauce. It's so good. So good. And then I'll I'll cap it off with, um, this is a, a cake that my mom made. It's called a gooey butter cake. I don't know if you've ever had it. Never oh heard of it. Oh my gosh, it's terrible. I think if I ate it now, <laughs> my age, I would just die. I would just keel over instantly. But oh my gosh, so good. So homemade macaroni and cheese with the Italian sausage. Once you finish that up, slice of gooey butter cake. That is, I'm hungry just thinking about it, that meal. I'm going to have to look up gooey butter cake. That sounds like my kind of food right there. Oh, I, I, I would eat it and not die. I would be just fine. Eating it. <laughs> it's so good. It's so, so good. All right, I got a few. Uh, the the thing that if my mom asked, yeah, like same thing, like birthday meal, or anytime my mom asks what I want her to cook, and 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 by the way, everyone else that she asks, it's the same answer. It's she has this special lasagna that she makes that's so good. And honestly, in general, I'm not a huge fan of lasagna. I don't hate it, but it's not like I love lasagna. But she she makes it a certain special way that only she makes it. You can't get it this way anywhere else, and everyone just goes crazy for it. It's so good, and it's weird. We're like a country family, you know. It's like weird that lasagna is like this specialty thing that she makes, but it's so good. <laughs> she also makes really really good homemade onion rings. That's like that's number two. Like if if she's asking what to cook, make me them onion rings, mom. Just make a big old batch of them. She's I don't know. There's some kind of special crack in that batter. They're so oh, good. That sounds good. She's. I know. I remember she told me one time the the key is you need the yellow, the large yellow onions for onion rings. Those are the right. Okay. I don't know okay. the rest though. <laughs> That's a start, right? <laughs> That's a start. Yeah. What else? I mean, if we want to go way back to early childhood memories, I mean, my very favorite thing was just like a fried bologna sandwich on Wonder Bread. Oh, interesting. What <laughs> was your favorite? Dry. What was your favorite like uh, out to eat meal during that time? Do you Probably remember Pizza Hut, nineties Pizza Hut? I mean, Nin- that's, the goat oh, that's right there. Yeah, that's mine as well. Nin- yeah. I don't know if you remember this. There was the the pizza by the foot from Pizza Hut. It was just oh, they, I remember. Yeah, they gave you this giant rectangle of pizza. That was man, or no, was, it was the Bigfoot pizza, right? Oh yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah. That's right. It was foot. called Big the Bigfoot, yeah. and it was just this giant rectangle of pizza yes. and if you went to a birthday party and they popped that out you'd be like oh man we're we're eating good today dude pizza hut it was a different establishment it then. was man, it was massively really was. different back then yeah it was really like a family restaurant like a yeah. very different thing now yeah, get you get you a salad bar you know get the yeah yeah you had stuff. to do your obligatory as small as possible plate of salad and then you could just gorge <laughs> yeah. yourself on pizza yeah then you just unlimited pizza there you go, Davius. Which who who are we going to get? Now, Gummy Bear says he's forfeiting. All right, congrats, Red. Congrats, right. Red. Our winner. Okay, Outlaw Red coming your way. One mil, buddy. Next time I log in, we have a guild. The guild's name is Stoons Goons. It is literally the best PvP guild in the game, uh, and it just so happens to be the best named guild on the PCNA server as well. It's also mm-hmm. the uh, official guild of the Scrolling Podcast. We are on PCNA and Xbox NA. 
If you'd like to join, send us an email at scrollandpodcast at gmail.com and we will send you an invite. If your guild list is full or if you're on a different platform, that's okay. The, the real action is happening on Discord anyway. That's where all the conversations are happening. And honestly, every day it's just kind of a party on the Discord. Yep. Uh, and in-game membership, absolutely not required. Everyone on the Discord is a fully-fledged goon. So uh, scrollandpodcast at gmail.com and we'll get you in there. If you'd like to support the show, uh, one easy thing you can do is open up the Apple Podcast app and give us a star rating and especially a written review. That helps a lot. Uh, if you'd like to go a step further than that, you can go to patreon.com slash scrollandpodcast and sign up to receive Stoon's Boon for $3 a month. Uh, that gives you access to a number of things, including the Booncast, which is like a mini solo podcast that I do on the off weeks. Also started doing a new thing on the Patreon. We're going to try this out and see how it goes. Uh, Davius, if you're not aware, is a, is a talented artist, and he's created some, <laughs> uh, some artworks based on, uh, on our characters. Um, those are for sale. The, the digital you know, prints of those are for sale for $3 a piece. If you're a Patreon supporter, if you're a Stoonsboon recipient, you already have them for free. Um, but if you want to support us in some way, but you don't necessarily want to be on the hook on a, for a subscription sort of thing, that can be like a one-time, you know, buy one of those for $3 and you're done. Uh, Patreon.com slash scrollingpodcast. Uh, if you're in the guild, you can also just put stuff in the guild bank. That's another way you can help uh, anything that you think might be helpful. And at the very least, just join the Discord. Uh, just kind of being our friend and hanging out with us and talking to us about build ideas and different aspects of the game. A lot of that stuff makes it onto the show, so it actually helps us out a lot just having you as a friend. So uh, podcast at gmail.com to get that invite. Shout out to the chat. We have Garion, Grizzly Khan, Gummy Bear, Miracle was in here earlier. I think that was it. Uh, thank you guys for being here. Really appreciate it. Uh, shout out to Zemo, Outlaw Red, Gummy Bear, Uncle Sam, Grizzly Khan. Um, oh, Grizzly Khan actually gets his own special uh, extra shout out. He bought a house recently, or is Ooh, in the process of buying nice. a house. Or he's getting it done. Not clear on the details, but congratulations, dude! I know that's a big deal, especially in this yeah. economy. Shout out Grizzly uh, Khan. But yeah, again, shout out to Zemo, Outlaw Red, uh, Gummy Bear, Uncle Sam, uh, those guys too. We've all just kind of been playing lately, and it's been a lot of fun as usual. Shout out to the Elder Goons, the OGs. Thank you guys for being around for so long and for being our friends. And shout out to our Stoons Boon recipients, Porkbody, Toadster, Gummy Bear, Grizzly Khan, Thomas, Taggard, Mother of Dragons, Sudica, Jim, Maxwell, and Derpin Stuff. Thank you guys so very much. Um, and a quick reminder that this is going to be the last episode of 2023. We're going to take a holiday break. Um, so, you know, the next episode normally would be two weeks from now, but we're going to skip that one. And the next episode will be two weeks after that. So like a month from now. Uh, I probably will drop a couple of boon casts during that time. So for the... For the the Stoons Boon people, you know, you'll get a little something. But uh, otherwise, we'll see you in 2024. Happy holidays. Yeah. Davius, anything else? I think that's it. Okay. Thank you guys very much for listening. And we'll see you next time.